Section 18 of A Year with the Saints, translated by a member of the Order of Mercy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. 16. Try to disengage yourself from so many cares, and take a little time to think of God and to rest in Him. Enter into the secret chamber of your heart, and banish from it everything save your Creator alone, and what can help you to find Him. Then, having closed the door, say to him with all your soul, Lord, I seek thy divine countenance. Teach me to find it. St. Augustine St. Francis de Sales called the center of his soul the sanctuary of God, where nothing enters save the soul and God. This was the place of his retirement in his ordinary abode, and therefore in his soul there was nothing but purity, simplicity, humility, and union of the spirit with its God. When St. Bernard was entering a church to pray, he would say to his thoughts, Remain here outside, useless thoughts and disorderly affections, and thou, my soul, enter into the presence of thy Lord. 17. Those who can shut themselves up in this little heaven of the soul, where he dwells who has created heaven and earth, may believe that they are walking in an excellent way, and that they shall not fail to drink of the water of the fountain, for in a little time they will make great progress. St. Teresa. St. Catherine of Siena, who was very fond of retirement, was loaded by her parents with cares and employments, but she built for herself a cell in her own heart, where she remained in constant retirement, even in the midst of the most active occupations, contemplating God and conversing familiarly with Him. Thus she succeeded in gaining a firm and constant union with His divine majesty, and she used to say that the kingdom of God is properly in our hearts, where He fixes His abode. A devout maiden, having become a religious, devoted herself to a peculiarly retired life, withdrawing herself more than usual from all communication at the great. For this reason, her relatives endeavored to persuade her to rest and refresh herself with some innocent conversation. But she replied that she was constantly engaged in intercourse that kept her cheerful and happy, and it was communion with Jesus Christ. "'How much it helps me,' said St. Teresa, "'to remember that I have company in my heart.' even God, and I remain there truly with him. 18. In mental prayer we are not obliged to employ our intellect all the time. We can occupy ourselves in the presence of God by conversing and consoling ourselves with him, without the weariness of formal considerations and choice words. We can represent to him simply our necessities and the cause he has for showing us mercy. For example, when we think of some part of the passion, it is a good thing to make a consideration first, by meditating on the pains which our Lord suffered in it. But let not the soul weary itself by seeking too long for this. Let it rather sometimes remain still with Christ, and keeping the intellect inactive, if possible, let it occupy itself, in thought, in looking upon Him. Let it accompany Him, ask favors of Him, humble itself and console itself with Him, and remember that He did not deserve to be there. This method of prayer has many advantages. St. Teresa this saint testifies of herself that she frequently practiced this kind of prayer and derived much advantage from it. Gerson relates that the servant of God used to say, For forty years I have practiced mental prayer with all possible diligence, and have found no better nor easier method of making it well than that of presenting myself before God as a child, or a beggar, poor, blind, naked, and abandoned. It was thus that St. Francis prayed, when he passed whole nights repeating and dwelling upon these few words. My God, who art thou, and who am I? 
now exciting himself to love for so great a god, now to contempt for so vile and ungrateful a creature, he was sinking to confusion and shame for his many failures, and asked pardon and help from the Lord. 19. In prayer it is well to occupy ourselves sometimes in making acts of praise and love to God, and desires and resolutions to please him in all things, in rejoicing at his goodness and that he is what he is, in desiring his honor and glory, in recommending ourselves to his mercy, also in simply placing ourselves before him, beholding his greatness and his mercy, and, at the same time, our own vileness and misery, and then to let him give us what he pleases, whether it be showers or aridity, for he knows better than we what is most suitable for us. These acts do much to arouse the will and the affections. Be careful when these sentiments come, not to leave them for the sake of finishing the ordinary meditation, for to profit greatly in this course, the chief point is not to think much, but to love much. Therefore, whatever will arouse you to love, do it. St. Teresa Father Signore, the younger, one day said, with tears, to an intimate friend, Do not act as I have done, for, from the time I began to study theology, I always spent the hour for meditation in making various considerations to excite the affections, so that I had little time left for recommending myself to God. But finally the Lord deigned to open my eyes. Ever since I have always tried to spend the whole time in recommending myself to Him, and if I have done any good either to myself or others, I think it is all due to this holy exercise. We read of St. Jane Frances de Chantal that she found a delight and repose in the consideration of the vast perfections of God, and in the desire that this supreme good might be known and loved by all His creatures. It is related, too, of the Blessed Egedius, a companion of St. Francis, that by meditating often upon the perfections, works, and mercies of God, he became filled with such great love towards him, that he could not speak of him, nor hear him spoken of, nor even think of him, without immediately falling into an ecstasy. 20. It is well to imagine sometimes in prayer that insults or affronts are inflicted upon us, or that misfortunes fall upon us, and then to strive to accustom our hearts to pardon them, and bear them all with patience, in imitation of our Saviour, for in this much spiritual strength is gained. St. Philip Neri When St. Ignatius was once confined to his bed by illness, he began to think whether anything could happen which could disturb him. After having imagined many troubles and trials, he found that nothing could afflict him and take away his peace, except to see the destruction of his society. But after meditating several times upon the point, he gained the mastery over himself to such a degree that he thought, if this should happen, a quarter of an hour spent in praying would suffice to make him tranquil and resigned. 21. We should set a high value on meditation upon the passion of our Redeemer, for a simple remembrance or meditation upon this is worth more than if for a whole year one should take the discipline to blood, or fast on bread and water every week, or recite the whole Psalter every day. Blessed Apertus Magnus. This was an ordinary subject of meditation with St. Francis Xavier, and a continual one with St. Casimir, even when hearing Mass, and he applied himself to it with so much intensity that he frequently became insensible. St. Bridget, too, made it almost always and never without tears. The Empress Leonora, from long meditations on the Passion, conceived so tender a love for Jesus crucified that if she had been equally sure, as she said, of being saved in the midst of ease and honors, she would have chosen in preference the way of the cross, that she might in some degree resemble her Lord. 
then she drew that generosity which enabled her to conceal her illnesses and bodily pains and refrain from complaint or lamentation and if any one in such cases seemed to sympathize with her the humble servant of god would say this cross is very light and very dear to me without it i could not be contented i have very great need of it i should otherwise be too presumptuous the venerable monsignor de palifax often practiced the same exercise sometimes he represented his soul under the figure of a bird flying and then becoming weary and resting upon the nail which fastens our lord's feet to the cross then contemplating him and drinking with the greatest consolation the blood that flowed from his wounds again he would take the figure of a bee going as from flower to flower to one or another wound of our lord to those of the head the hands the feet and especially to that of the side into which he would enter and bathe himself sometimes when weary of temporal things such as writing or study he would turn to the feet of jesus saying my jesus let me rest here this devotion rose to a singular height in st philip neri who could not meditate nor read nor speak nor hear of the passion of our lord without becoming pale as ashes and shedding a flood of tears this was especially the case in holy week and still more if any mention was made of the love with which he suffered for us one day when he was preaching on this topic he was overcome by extraordinary fervor and began to weep and sob so violently that he could not recover his breath and was obliged to descend from the pulpit and leave the church as this occurred many times and could not be prevented he was obliged for some years before his death to give up preaching on this subject and he could not speak of it even in private he even became so sensitive that at times if he only heard the words passion of christ he would weep so as to be unable to utter a word a similar thing is said to have happened on a good friday to the venerable father louis de granada when he went into the pulpit to preach on the passion scarcely had he uttered the words passio domini nostri jesu christi when he burst into a torrent of tears after he had recovered his breath a little he repeated the same words but with the words the tears came back and more abundantly than at first finally he made a vigorous effort to begin the sacred words for a third time but a third time the fit of weeping returned with such force and violence that it excited universal commotion through the audience so that for a long time nothing was to be heard in the church but sobs and cries and so the sermon ended without having begun twenty two as one friend often visits another going to bid him good morning and good night and looking in upon him at times during the day so should you often visit jesus in his sacrament and offer his precious blood many times in each visit to the eternal father and you will see that your love will increase marvelously by these visits st mary magdalene de Pazzi. st francis borgia made seven such visits daily and acquired by them such familiar affection that on entering a church he could tell by the sense of smell where the blessed sacrament was every time st john birchman's went out to take a walk he was careful to visit some church whether it was a time of exposition in it or not on such occasions his recollection was so profound that he did not notice when his companion arose to go out so that the latter was often obliged to come back from the church door and arouse him and even call him aloud by name so great was his abstraction st mary magdalene de Pazzi visited the blessed sacrament thirty-three times a day to her great happiness and advantage and st wenceslas duke of bohemia used to pay visits to the churches barefooted by night through snow and ice so that the pavements were stained with his blood st vincent de paul made visits as often as he was able 
and the rest that he took from his grave occupations consisted in staying sometimes for hours before the sacred tabernacle he remained there with an aspect so humble that it seemed as if he would willingly have sunk to the centre of the earth and with an exterior as modest and devout as if he were beholding the person of jesus christ with his own eyes so that he inspired with devotion all who beheld him when he had difficult business to transact he had recourse like moses to the sacred tabernacle to consult the oracle of truth on leaving his house he went to the chapel to ask a blessing and on his return to give thanks for the graces received and to humble himself for the faults he had perhaps committed he did this not as a matter of form but with true religious feeling twenty three we must not neglect to exercise ourselves in self-knowledge for this is of great importance in the contemplative way but this should be done with due regard to time and measure i mean that after a soul has yielded and surrendered itself and clearly understands that of itself it has no good thing and is ashamed and confounded to stand before so great a king and sees how little it returns for so many gifts what necessity is there under these circumstances to occupy it and make it spend more time in this we must let it pass to other things which the lord places before it so that it may come forth from itself and fly to consider the greatness of its god saint teresa from the time saint francis borgia first applied himself to prayer he spent two hours every morning in self-examination by this he arrived at so humble an opinion of himself that he was astonished that everyone did not treat him with contempt saint bonaventure tells us saint francis that he used to pass whole days and nights in this brief prayer my lord and my god who art thou and who am i and on such occasions he was often seen to be lifted from the ground and surrounded by a bright halo a story is told in the lives of the fathers of a young monk who said to an old one father my heart tells me that i am good but the old man answered whoever does not see his sins always thinks himself good but when one sees them his heart cannot persuade him of any such thing it is necessary then to strive to know ourselves we read of the abbot isidore that one of his disciples entered his cell one day and finding him in tears asked the cause i am weeping he answered for my sins but father you have no sins said the disciple my son returned the abbot if god should reveal my sins to men the world would be filled with terror a vision recorded by the venerable sister maria crucifixa is well adapted to illustrate this point it was permitted me to enter she writes by a spiritual glance into the most secret recesses of the human heart i was amazed at the sight of wonders of human ugliness and deformity as i was shown the birthplace of sin it appeared like a horrible subterranean cavern wherein swarmed constantly vast troops of animals and insects great and small all frightful and loathsome these typified mortal and venial sins and imperfections by this terrible sight i penetrated the deep abyss of knowledge of myself and of my extreme misery so that i perceived myself to be deserving only of scorn and ignominy for i appeared like a mass of black and greasy soot like foul and corrupt refuse or an ugly and dangerous monster which no one could behold without taking to flight she had this vision on the day of her profession and this sight of herself made so strong an impression upon her soul that it lasted a whole year all this time she believed that her companions saw her as she saw herself and was astonished at their self-control and virtue and could not understand why they did not abhor and fly from her i would willingly have buried myself alive 
she writes, if I could thus have hidden from my eyes my intolerable appearance. Therefore, when I received wrongs and insults, I thought they rather praised and honored me, for I felt they were treating me better than I deserved, and it was impossible for me to think otherwise, so that if they had told me that I was ugly, stupid, without talent or wit, I should certainly have wondered and said, Oh, how little you know of my miseries! I am insufferable in the eyes of God by my extreme destitution, and you wonder that I am not rich in good qualities. What would a beggar do, who, while barely covered with rags, should hear himself reproved for not having a gold chain and a badge of knighthood? What would he do on hearing such reproofs? Instead of being angry, he would be amazed and would say, I have not so much as a shirt, and you wonder that I am without a gold chain and a badge? In charity give me a bit of bread, for I have nothing to do with chains and badges. 24. The great work of our perfection is born, grows, and maintains its life by means of two small but precious exercises, aspirations and spiritual retirement. An aspiration is a certain springing of the soul towards God, and the more simple it is, the more valuable. It consists in simply beholding what He is, and what He has done, and is doing for us, and it should excite the heart, as a consequence, to acts of humility, love, resignation, or abandonment, according to circumstances. Now, these two exercises have an incredible power to keep us in our duty, to support us in temptation, to lift us up promptly after falls, and to unite us closely to God. Besides, they can be made at any time or place, and with all possible ease. Therefore, they ought to be as familiar to us as the inspiration and expiration of air from our lungs. St. Francis de Sales Every time that the clock struck, St. Ignatius collected his thoughts and raised his soul to God. Though he might happen to be in the company of men of rank, St. Vincent de Paul always uncovered his head when the clock struck and raised some devout aspiration to heaven. At other times he often uttered some devout ejaculation or aspiration, most frequently this one, O my Lord, O divine goodness, when wilt thou give me the grace to be entirely thine? and to love only thee. St. Bartholomew the Apostle adored God by making a hundred genuflections each day, and as many in the night. St. Thomas of Aquinas used this kind of prayer many times a day, when he was at Mass, when he was studying, when he left his cell or returned to it, and at all odd moments. Cassian says that the monks of Egypt frequently employ this brief ejaculation, which is full of humility and confidence. Deus in agitorium meum intende domine, at adjuvandum me festina. O God, incline unto mine aid. O Lord, make haste to help me. Monsignor de Palifax, the bishop, practiced it on all occasions. When anything seemed doubtful, he turned to God and said, O Lord, what shall we do in this matter? Counsel me, guide me thyself in danger. O Lord, rule me, let me not be presumptuous, but humble. Do not permit me to stray a hair's breadth from what pleases thee. When through human frailty he fell into some fault, or said or did something that was not suitable, he would say, O Lord, raise me up. What is this, O Lord? Is it possible that I am to be always the same? Hold me, that I may hold to thee. Often, too, he would say in his heart, I desire nothing, I wish for nothing, I cling to nothing, except thyself, my God and my all. Glory, it is thine, and I seek it only for thee. Honor, all my honor, my Jesus, is thy honor. Satisfaction, my only satisfaction and pleasure, is that thou art satisfied and pleased. And so on. 
25. It is a great help to humility to accustom ourselves to draw from all things reflections suited to raise our hearts to God, by beholding in them all His perfections, or else the love He bears us, and our obligation to serve Him faithfully. Sepoli. Such was the practice of St. Francis de Sales. On beholding a beautiful landscape, he would say, We are fields cultivated by God. If we saw magnificent and richly adorned churches, we are the living temples of God. Then why are our souls not as well adorned with virtues? If he looked at flowers, when will the time come that our flowers shall change into fruit? If he saw rare and valuable pictures, nothing is as beautiful as the soul made in the image of God. If he walked in a garden, when will that of our soul be dotted with flowers, filled with fruit, well arranged, and free from dust and rubbish? If he came to a fountain, oh, when shall we drink our fill from the fountains of the Saviour? If to rivers, when shall we go to God, as these waters do to the sea? Thus he made use of all visible things to raise his soul to God. 26. There is a certain method of prayer which is both very easy and very useful, it consists in accustoming our soul to the presence of God, in such a way as to produce in us a union with Him which is intimate, simple, and perfect. Oh, what a precious kind of prayer is this! St. Francis de Sales In all his actions and exercises, Rosbruccio kept his mind elevated to God, so that, he confessed, he had obtained from the Lord this special favor, that he could without difficulty immerse himself at will in a most sweet contemplation of the divinity, whether he was alone in his room or abroad in company with others. St. Aloysius Gonzaga found nothing easier than to keep his mind constantly united to God, so that he had as much difficulty in turning his thoughts from him as others have in keeping them fixed in that direction. 27. If we persist in walking for a year in the presence of God, at the end of the year we shall find that we have reached unconsciously the summit of perfection. St. Teresa It is narrated in the lives of the fathers that a holy abbot instructed one of his novices that he should take care never to lose sight of God and think of him as always present. For, said he, this is the rule of rules, and one which the Lord taught to Abraham when he said, Ambula quorum me et esto perfectus. Walk before me and be perfect. This was so impressed on the mind of the young man that he practiced it wonderfully well, and from the reckless youth that he was, he became a monk so perfect that when he died, a few years after, he was seen to fly directly and with great glory into heaven. 28. The greater part of the faults which religious commit against their rules and in all the exercises of piety arise from easily losing sight of the presence of God. St. Francis de Sales. It is said of St. John Birchman's that he never lost sight of the presence of God, that he practiced it with rare facility and naturalness, and, what is more, he was free from absence of mind, so that he was always attentive to whatever he was doing, and ready and prompt to assist others. He performed his spiritual exercises, too, with so much devotion, that he was never seen to transgress the smallest of his rules, nor commit a fault of any kind. 29. There is a certain method of practicing the presence of God, by which, if the soul chooses, she may remain always in prayer, and constantly enkindled and inflamed with the love of God. This consists in realizing, in the midst of our occupations, that we are doing the will of God in each, and in rejoicing and being glad that it is so. Rodriguez
St. Francis de Sales, for many years before his death, had scarcely any time for prayer, as he was overwhelmed with other occupations. One day St. Jane Francis de Chantal asked him whether he had made his meditation. No, he replied, but I am doing what is worth as much. In fact, he endeavored to keep himself continually united with God, and he used to say that in this world we must make a prayer of works and activities. Thus his life was a continual prayer, for he did not content himself with merely enjoying a delicious union with God in prayer, but equally loved to do his will. 30. The highest and most perfect prayer is contemplation, but this is altogether the work of God, as it is supernatural and above our powers. The soul can only prepare itself for this prayer, and can do nothing in it. The best preparation is to live humbly, and to give ourselves in earnest to the acquisition of virtues, and especially of fraternal charity and the love of God, to have a firm resolution to do the will of God in all things, to walk in the way of the cross, and to destroy self-love, which is a wish on our part to please ourselves rather than God. St. Teresa This saint fulfilled all this with great perfection and for that reason she was endowed with such lofty contemplation and rare gifts. When St. Anthony the abbot was asked how he could pass whole nights in prayer, he answered, I never knew in what true contemplation consists, as long as I had regard to myself. But when I succeeded in purifying my mind from every disorderly motion, and separating my heart from every earthly affection, then I began to enjoy that admirable fruit of the divine will, which purified souls are wont to taste in contemplation. The following words came from a soul that had received much light. I know by experience that to learn mystic theology it is more useful to study the crucifix than books. That is, instead of occupying ourselves with much reading, we ought to labor in the practice of virtue, in the imitation of Jesus Christ, in attention to purity of life, to prayer, and to fidelity in doing and suffering whatever God requires of us, as well as in dying to ourselves. End of section 18